Hey everyone, so long time no chat, but I uh, have been really sick. I took a little break from the podcast because I had some health stuff going on, which I will get into in a different episode, but I recorded this episode a few weeks back before I got sick, uh, but the whole plan was always to release it on Trans Day of Visibility, which is today. So I won't be running any ads this episode, but please visit glaad.org slash transgender slash resources, that's uh, glad.org, for a full list of places to donate to and to support. I will be donating to the Sylvia Rivera Law Project this Trans Day of Visibility and holding my trans brothers and sisters extra close this year. Trans Day of Visibility is a day of joy and celebration and seeing each other and holding each other up, but due to the political climate, it's a tough one this year. I mean, there's a lot of anti-trans legislation going on back home in the US and a lot of just in general a lot of uh, anti-LGBTQ plus uh, legislation. It's really hard for uh, queer people like myself to to watch this happen but also for I mean a lot of trans people that are just constantly bombarded with news about the trans sports thing and all this crazy stuff that we will get into in this podcast episode but since we recorded it it's gotten even more murky in the US so I just wanted to put that out there. I am uh, really excited to announce this lineup of really cool podcast guests that I got. So I encourage you to listen to the whole thing if you can. And uh, you might want to take it in parts because we do talk about kind of heavy stuff in between. But uh, really a great episode. One of my favorites so far. Then I have uh, an episode coming out with the founder of Laurels. I have an episode with the owner and founder of the VDOM. Such a cool uh, gadget that I'm excited to share with you all. And in the future, coming out a couple weeks down the road, an interview with a very special therapist who specializes in lesbian therapy. I mean, how freaking cool is that? So lots of great guests while I'm kind of taking a back seat and um, I'm uh, really grateful for all of you who have checked in with me. This has definitely been a tricky time for me and as you can hear, I'm not fully recovered yet, but I also wanted to note before we begin that the first two minutes of this podcast interview, there's a bit of an echo on her side, but it quickly resolves, so stick with it. And if you need the transcription, you can always email me and I will uh, hand it over to you. So without further ado, enjoy. So welcome back to Beyond the Bedroom. I'm Birna, I'm a sex educator, and I am here on St. Patrick's Day, very exciting, with a really great guest, Scotty Jeanette Madden. Uh, They have a book, Getting Back to Me, From Girl to Boy to Woman in Just 50 Years. They also have another book, Reckless in the Kitchen, A Year of Light, Laughter, and Love, Oh, and Food. They also have a great TED Talk called What Would My Father Say? And you can see all of these links in the description for this episode. So hi, thank you so much for coming. <laughs> oh my God, thank you for having me. Yeah, so as I mentioned, you, um, you've been busy. You've been writing books and giving talks and doing a lot. Why do you think it's so important to get your message out there? And in, in this time where like trans visibility is so real, do you feel like there's still something missing? Oh my God, yes. Yeah. You know, um, 
our whole existence is fighting the preconceived notions of society. But it's also, but the problem is, is it equals violence, discrimination, real pain and trauma that's completely needless. And, right. um, and really quite sad, you know, um, to have to walk into a room and wonder if your personal safety is truly at stake, it's real, you know, is exhausting. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, I think stigma is usually that building block for people and it leads to violence later on. And you, in your TED Talk, you talk about that you came out later in life. You had been married for over two decades. I was in an incredibly loving, very giving union with another person. And so mm -hmm. in order to rectify all that, I actually walled that off even from myself. And anytime my own psyche or heart or mind went even tiptoed towards that castle, I would shoot myself. <laughs> you know, right. so you have to you have to you have to police every thought. You have to police every emotion. You have to police every single feeling, and you lock it away in a box. How can you give yourself to somebody else? So I like had to carve out this elaborate labyrinth to allow Marcy to come into my heart to be, because that was rightfully her place. Yeah. I, you know, we stepped into a loving marriage. And so I had to figure out how to like lead her away from that. Oh, don't look over there. Don't look over there. Don't look over there, but still be open. Um, and so that's that you, the only way you can do that is to do it to yourself as well. Yeah. And that's, that's what that means. And so you come, you, and I was this very successful person. So it's not, yeah. you hear somebody talk about this and you wonder, well, how the heck did you get through the day? Like, yeah, how the heck did I get through a day? Right. You know, because every single, you, you really are. You're like a vulture waiting for the mouse of your own thought to come out so you can snatch it and kill it before it goes any further. Yeah. While you're going to be a person in the world. That's such a, that's such a good metaphor because um, a tra another friend of mine who's trans told me they were, um, they were walking down the street with me and someone said something rude and they laughed and they turned to me and said, you know, it's funny that people think they can hurt me because any mean thing I hear, I guarantee you, I've already said it to myself. And I was like, Oh, yep. <laughs> like I, and they grew up also in a very, um, in a very conservative town and a very conservative family um there was a lot of expectations on them also and so it was kind of even though no one had maybe said that out loud to them they were they were feeling it they could feel the energy they were like oh how dare i i i can't step away from this boundary so looking at your early life uh you because your uh, ted talk is so interesting because it does tell your story through the relationship between you and your father and the expectations that um, he had inadvertently maybe or just throughout time put on you. There's a lot of things that are not said out loud, but we understand as like we shouldn't do those things. What are some of those unwritten rules that were really something that you struggled with when you were younger in, in regards to being trans? Well, first of all, it was that I, I 
then had to, you know, once it was made plain to me that I would get physically hurt if I yeah. acted in any way, <laughs> and this was not through my father. This was right. the, this is the irony of the whole thing, and this is what this is something that I, I hope people can understand about the trans experience is that you start making assumptions for other people at, to protect yourself, and that's also hideous because mm -hmm. now you're you're living through somebody else's eyes and you're making wrong assumptions. When, when, when I came out, there were several people who I completely got wrong that, right. you know, what their reaction would be because I was inventing it in my mind and it was based on fear. It was not based on love. It was not based on connection. It was based on worry about what that person is probably going to think. Right. And that's not fair to do to another human. It's not what it's what we're asking the world to do for us is let us be ourselves. We also need to and we know how to do that because we've done it to, to other people ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's a conundrum, you know. Um, but once it was made plain to me not to do that, the things that I then had to kind of learn how, how to act like a boy. Yeah. If a cisgender boy he just acts. He doesn't think about acting. He just acts. Yeah. Right. Cisgender girl. She just acts. A trans child is trying to act like a boy with a girl's software. Mm -hmm. And so it's confusing as hell. Yeah. And it means that you're in super uncomfortable positions all the time, not because you even know what to do, but also you don't know what to do if it goes south, if it goes wrong. Mm. And I found myself in that situation a lot. I, yeah. you know, my godfather was a man that served in the Navy with my father. And, you know, I called him Uncle Jerry, um, but he was not blood related to me, but he was in my life pretty much from the moment I was five years old on. So people would always say, you have two fathers. And my uncle would be the first one to say, no, Scotty right. has a father and a godfather. Right. Right. <laughs> Make that distinction. Yeah, I respected my father, you know. Yeah. Everybody respected my father. The problem with living up to his expectations is that I never wanted to disappoint him. Right. So I was racing in front of any situation trying to figure out, okay, well, what would he want me to do? What would he say? Mm. That's why I based it on that my talk on that. It's like I was trying to second guess him. That means I was really fused to him and I didn't want to ever disappoint him out of love, yeah. not out of fear. With my no. father, it was not fear because I really truly think that if he knew what was going on with the person that was tormenting me, which I didn't have the language to say, I didn't right. feel like I had the agency to say because he was an authority figure and he was responsible for babysitting me. You're right. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I had to, like, you know, that man got into my head and he made me see with shame that I would do the one thing in my life that I really didn't ever want to do, which was hurt my father. Yeah. And, and sometimes also when we love someone so much and we think maybe if I tell them this thing, they'll go away and you don't want to lose them either. And so it's like, you know, maybe they would have supported me. Maybe they wouldn't like, I'm not willing to take that risk. It's a gamble. And especially something that you need a support system 
Like when you're going through this transition, so many things are going to be new. So many people are going to be different to you and you need a strong network and support. So a lot of people just don't want to take that gamble of like, well, I mean, I don't know they, they could be nice about it, but they could also be distant. Um, and I think that is a good thing to bring up is it's not always fear. A lot of the times it's, I just don't want to lose them. And right. that, that is something that I don't think enough of us realize. And, and a lot of us do it right. Like I, no matter what it is, they just want, um, I think deep down, so many of us just want to be loved. And I mean, I, I went through something similar, not at all to the same degree when I, came out to my parents. Well, I came out to my mom and dad in separate occasions, but it slipped out with my mom. I was just so emotional and I was going through so much. I was being like tormented by these people in my school and I came out and she was like almost like upset that I didn't tell her sooner, <laughs> you know? Um, did you have any of those experiences uh, with your with your wife, with anyone in your, because uh, you said, you know, you had some people that you totally got wrong, their reaction. Did you get some of those um, reactions? Like, why didn't you tell me sooner? Well, that, that's what I, yeah, that's what I was alluding to. Yeah. Is when you second guess somebody, generally it's based on fear and it's thinking of them less than, they're less than their noble self. So I had like, you know, like your mother, you know, I had several people say to me, like, why didn't you, why didn't you tell me sooner? I'm like, I didn't tell me sooner, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it was a really, it, it was very touching. Actually, it really taught me a lot. And it's taught me why I'm, I'm fairly articulate with explaining this, um, this phenomenon is that there are a lot of people that, that really want to get it right. There are a lot of people that really do strive every day, despite what we see <laughs> across the news there are people who strive every day to be their noble selves to be their mm -hmm. best and highest version of themselves and when you second guess them and they're lesser then you're not doing them a service and you're you as i say when you come out with up to another person there's a golden cord, a guitar string that stretches between your heart and someone and this other person. And you twang that thing really hard when you come out. You say, all the things you thought about me, I'm just gonna about I'm gonna change almost all of them. Except right. for the core ones. Yeah. <laughs> That's the bottom line. It's not the core. But then you have to tighten that guitar string on your side and you're hoping that some of the that your the other person will tighten theirs. And not everybody does. Mm. And that's the painful part about coming out. So you are going to lose some people. You're going right. to lose them. And, you know, truly speaking, and this is a hard, harsh lesson for a person to learn because you never know who it's going to be with. But if that person can't make the journey with you, they weren't worth being in your life in the first place. That's, so that's hard. Yeah. It can be a, a really trusted person in your family. But if that person is not willing to go on the journey with you, then they were never that special. They were an invention in your own mind, just like you were in theirs. Yeah. And that hurts. It hurts. Okay. <laughs> it really does. Yeah. Um, I, I really just think that your relationship with your wife is so interesting also during this time. Um, what was your, did, did you think that it would go differently? Were you convinced that 
she was going to leave? Like what was going through your mind um, well, when you decided? Nothing, to nothing. nothing. I wouldn't allow anything to go through my mind. I didn't ever, ever think that I was going to come out. No. And how long were you married when you came out? I was 20. We were 20 years married. Wow. Right. My wife, Marcy. Well, let me back up. She never liked the word wife. She wants to say spouse. She wanted me to say spouse. Okay. Um, She she used to have me counsel other women about their relationships with their boyfriends and husbands. Oh, wow. (laughs) Because I would say, well, here's what they're thinking. Yeah. But I was not telling them that I was thinking because I was a guy. Mm. I had observed as a girl, like a chicken in the hen house, Um, what the actual, you know, what, how we would relate. That's why every woman I gave, you know, advice to was like, oh my God, that's something that makes so much sense. I'm like, yeah, because we speak the same language. You just don't think so, you know? So I... I, 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 I thought it was going to take this to my grave. I didn't see how, particularly when, and the, the truth of the matter is I used a really um, multi-layered version of denial to get through my daily life. And the biggest one was that it was ever possible to come out. Hmm. I was, you know, rising to the top of my game in my career. I was starting to run shows. I was making more money than we'd ever had. I, we bought our dream house. Didn't know that our dream house even existed until we were walking through the door because a friend said, hey, check out this house. And when I was like, oh my God. And Marcy was, oh my God, which was why I went, oh my God. <laughs> if she was happy, I placed everything into making her happy because mm. I figured I would, if I could be the best boy this lifetime, and you do that by being that the best boy to the best girl and making right. her feel like a queen, then I would earn my womanhood next lifetime. That's how I, that was the pacifier that I gave myself every day in order to get through my day. So I never dreamed I would come out. When it blurted out, as I describe in my TED talk one morning, I truly was an outer body experience and I was taking every word back even as it was coming out of my mouth because I could see it hitting her in the face. Right. And I'm using this, this kind of almost violent language because I'm trying to describe the, the experience that I was having on my side of like, I am destroying the thing I love the most about life even more than breathing, which was Marcy. Mm. And I, you know, and, and her happiness was the, the number one priority in my life. And so when I could, hear my own ears would connect with the word that just flew out of my mouth. It was like, what are you doing? And I'm diving on grenade after grenade, like trying to stop them from blowing up because our life is exploding right in my front of my face. Right. I mean, this huge change so quickly. And I mean, I didn't have fun. Sorry, there's a delay. <laughs> so, so I'm not trying to cut you off. <laughs> That's enough, Scotty. Thank you. <laughs> no. Um, I, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that conversation, was it happening in slow motion for you or were you just blacking out? 
Like <laughs> I was lacking out. Yeah. You know, I was, in fact, I, I, you know, Marcy's recounting of it later on. She thought I was having a nervous breakdown mm. right in front of her eyes. Wow. You know? um, and she thought, well, okay, then this is a midlife crisis. And Scotty's just about to tell me that they want a Porsche. Yeah. And I went, I'm a woman. And she was like, Oh, what? different, different from what we were expecting. <laughs> yeah. You know, so the thing is, is that I think I've learned that with any really difficult situation, I sneak up on it without looking at it and kind of feel in the dark, like, okay, it's out there somewhere. The, yeah. no, it doesn't matter how big it is, you know, her, her eventual passing on. Mm -hmm. I, I'm now, you know, I've had, she passed in 2018. I'm, I'm looking back now. I'm past that debilitating aspect of grief and grieving. But as you can hear my voice as my throat yeah. is tightening up and my tears yeah. are coming, that just talking about her is still that visceral. Of course. Body. But um, she never... Like she fought me tooth and nail with even my own experience at the time. It was ugly because I made her the goddess of my life and therefore I was the god of her life. Yeah. In her mind, you know, she had had, I was her fourth marriage and I was the mm -hmm. one who got it. Yeah. Got all of it. Got all, more than she knew, right? You know, right. <laughs> but, um, when I then kind of blew it up, she was like, okay, well, we're going to fix this. Right. Right. Because wow. I still love you, but I'm going to fix this, fix us, fix this. And we're, and it'll all be good. We'll go back to being good because we had the marriage that everybody wanted. Wow. And literally, but we're, that's not us saying that. That's what oh, was said. Yeah. I mean, just hearing also how much you loved each other and the gifts that you gave each other throughout that time and that you were with someone for 20 years. And then you said, you know what, I'm going to do this. And it's something that you couldn't do with your family. It's, it's something, you know, cause you lost your mother when you were fairly young. So I, I think like maybe it's very interesting that you said, I can't let that happen again. And I think that's very interesting. When I yeah, heard I that, yeah, no, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, sorry, the delay. Yeah, yeah uh, it was never that conscience, conscience. No. You know, it was so. When you say that I wasn't going to do that again, or have that again, it's um, it's an acknowledgement that something deep inside of me wasn't going to stand for that. But the outside was going, "What are you talking what? about? Are you <laughs> no, no." <laughs> Up. Yeah. <laughs> this, this doesn't happen. Right. I I just love the way like hearing you talk about Marcy and thank you so much for sharing with us um how she was and such also an inspiration for just loving each other where you are and knowing that relationships are always flowing and changing and you know, even when you feel like things are stagnant and things are good and perfect, even that things are always, you never know what's going to happen and you have to just deal with it and accept it how at that time. So, um, 
I think that that's really beautiful. And, and um, I'm so sorry for your loss. And thank you for sharing Marcy and having her memory be a blessing for for all of us. Thank I love you. that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm... Um... <laughs> she is still so a part of my life. Of course. I'm not... I'm not... I don't know if I'll ever have anybody again. Of course. I mean, I think that when people hear that, they go, no, no, you will, you will. But I'm like, some people, honestly, they their cup has been filled up and like they can start other relationships, but it's almost unfair to compare it to something that was so meaningful and so special. And I think that that's very normal and it's very human to say, you know, I, I'm good, but you know? And it's also, it's only been a few years. So, you know, but um, I think that that's, it's so human to say, yeah. how could I compare anybody to someone who was just so deeply loving in so many ways? I mean, it's something that most of us, I think, dream of finding that. So it makes sense that you would say, I got it. I found it. And now that it's well, gone, I, I don't want to try. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's not so much that I don't want to try. Um, yeah. It's that I don't have faith that anybody will be. You're right. That's her. what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 It's like I holding mean, auditions when it's already been casted. <laughs> You're just <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> I guess you can try. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's a, that's a really, that, that's exactly how my attitude is. It's like, you yeah. can try. Yeah. <laughs> I want someone to succeed, but right. it's, oh God. You got some tough competition. But um, talking kind of about that world, you worked in media and you still do. Yeah. And um, very interesting that you were in this kind of like alpha male zone of TV, which is so funny because the whole time you were like, I'm a woman, I'm a very girly girl. I love, to wear dangly earrings and bake what am I doing right now um and I just love that for you but you so you worked in like adventure you worked in discovery you worked in um just tell me a little bit about like what you were doing and you were kind of just in the height of manly man tv yeah it's you know and um and again I think that's where the subconscious con kind of drives um uh, I, I, I love the outdoors. I still do. Yeah. Dramatically. And, um, you know, the one thing about television is it's a, it's a magic carpet that takes you places you would never, ever dream that you could actually go. Um, but I, um, at the beginning of my career, I started developing a skill of being able to get in and out of a country. And that seems like a normal thing. It's really not. It's incredibly complicated. It has a whole lot of nuance to it. Um, you know, there's places where, the, especially what well, we, you know, the our joke inside of the community is American television out of my way. Like that's supposed to be some sort of a, and it's incredibly yeah. arrogant and it's really yeah. stupid. It's it doesn't work. No, <laughs> it doesn't work. Um, in fact, as soon as you say American, you, you sometimes doors slam instantly. Right. <laughs> um, 
and you got to bring a TV show back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started off really early in my career with um, Surfer Magazine. And that meant that we were going to places that no one had ever been before or had mm-hmm. only one person or three surfers had only been there before. That was sort of the, the theme of the show and the, the vibe of surfing at that time. Yeah. So um, it was, it's difficult, you know, it's, it is physically arduous. It's not smart. Um, We had our gear impounded in several countries and couldn't get it out for the week that we had our visa to be there, et cetera. So you have to learn how to dance there. And it's a a lot of politics that are on top. So that side of my resume started growing more and more. People heard, oh, you did that once before, will you do it for me? And so like, of course, you know, where are we going? Okay, cool. Let's go there, you know? Um, and finally I, I hit the peak of it with a show for the discovery channel, uh, called dude, you're screwed. (laughs) (laughs) And this was at the time of my peak of my dysphoria. Oh, wow. I was trying so hard. You know, I had a full military pedigree, um, survival cast these, I had an active duty green beret, um, a retired Navy SEAL, an active duty Royal Air Force SEER instructor, which SEER instructors are the survival instructors for the the RAF. And it's not just survive like, you know, how to drink water out of a puddle. It's how to evade the Russians. Right. (laughs) Exactly. That's that's how, and these guys are hardcore, great men. They're really loving. They were wonderful when I came out. (laughs) But, Mm. But before that, the stakes were, these, you know, and there was a couple of other cast members that rotated through to fill out. We always had five people. Um, and it was literally that they would kidnap one another each week and blindfold them, handcuff them, and drop them somewhere in the world and give them 100 hours to get back to civilization while they went back to this fantasy boys' camp, oh the God. ultimate camp tent, and smoked cigars and drank whiskey and laughed at the guy as he and critiqued his technique of trying to survive. So, you know, I really tried to create a, oh like the ultimate, yeah, it was like the ultimate, you know, pocket <laughs> male frat boy clubhouse. It's like they like picked out like out of a hat, like, what can we do? Let's um, throw some BDSM in there. Let's make it also <laughs> like, I love that they were like, this is, you know, but I'm sure it was super entertaining. I mean, well, it was because they, <laughs> they were, you know, it was boys being boys, you know? And so the thing though, that, that I tried to, because I'm, you know, uh, an artist, it was like, okay, so this is what everybody expects, but what's really here, you know, right. what was really there was the brotherhood. Mm-hmm. And that was so that's why the show is successful. You know, I had arguments with this with the network that they're like, we're men are our audience. I'm like, you're high. Yeah. Uh, we've missed planes in every country because of the women fan clubs that are waiting in the airport who found out we were traveling yes. and then stalked us and we're taking photos with them. I love and it. Was, it was women viewing parties like, of course, hot guys who love each other, <laughs> taking their shirts off. I'm in. Yes, exactly. And <laughs> they like know what they're doing. They're very skilled. They can, they can keep you safe. Like it's just, it's it, all it all. Yeah. That's the thing. Cause a lot of, a lot of guys think that what women really want is like the shirtless one. Right. But what we really want is like the guy that, <laughs> that will keep us safe and knows all these skills and, 
great communicator. <laughs> Not the loving one. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. and, and I do also, there's something so hot about when guys are, have that kind of camaraderie with each other, that like brotherhood. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I get, I love a little homoerotic vibe. Like there's something about <laughs> it that really does it for me, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, you know, I uh, I've never floated that word out to the boys, but you know, but, I certainly I certainly nurtured that flame. So. Right. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, and I just love that you also just always knew what women wanted, um, and how guys were like acting, kind of like the fly on the wall, um, and living in between those two world so to speak during a time also like i mean we're getting increasingly less um gendered with with how we raise children i mean not a huge difference but i mean a little bit but um my i mean like the way that my um aunts and uncles and my mom and and a lot of people grew up was like no like boys on that side girls on this side and it was almost like also kind of just as a teenager, even my mom was like, yeah, if I was friends with a boy, everyone would think that I was just going to like get married to him. And like, everything was just, I, that's the only reason I would talk to him. Or if I went to college, it would just be to get a husband, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And do, what's like one of the biggest differences you see now um, when you look at maybe your nieces and nephews and that versus when you were a teenager or a young, young adult? Well, certainly that the, that, uh, and, and, you know, granted I live in California. Yeah. Um, and, um, I, and also, you know, you, you attract what vibe you're putting out. Right. So I have incredibly loving, accepting people in my life. Um, as my books are testaments to, in fact, my, one of my greatest claims to fame is that one of my first, um, I have a, a a writing or a reading team that reads my stuff before I even send it into the publisher or that sort of thing. And the one of my readers is one of my, in fact, she's, I talk about her in the book, Missy Polk. She said, <laughs> you know, I got done reading this and I thought, I don't have that many friends, and, you know, and it, and it, it's, yeah. it's true. And then I, I, it really struck me. I thought about that for a second and I thought, you know, friend is a word that we kind of throw around a lot, but when I use that word, I mean that we have a, an actual connection that I treasure and cherish and nurture. That's what a friend is. Um, there's levels of what that is, but that's based on who that person is. You know, you want to you want to mesh with them and have them in your life, and it's about acceptance. I mean, you know, there's uh, accepting them, accepting their quirks, accepting their idiosyncrasies. You're not there to change them. It can some of them can drive you out of your freaking mind. <laughs> Oh but yeah, it's not your job to change that. That's that's a different level of of relationship with someone. But with our friends, when I um, I'm sorry, I lost the thread. No, it's okay. <laughs> Just like um, one is what's well, like one of the biggest differences that you see. Oh, the differences, right? Yeah. So with all, yeah. So I one of them is my uh, one of my dearest friends. Uh, Tema, her daughter is 14, sophomore in high school, yes. And she's pansexual. And her mother said, I don't care about the pan part. 
just don't be the sexual part until you're 18. <laughs> yeah. Right? But the she was, and Zoe's not trying to be like, I mean, I have lots of really good talks with her and I understand it's part of her. And yet she also has the language. That's the thing. Like I wouldn't have had any of that language. All we had was gay. We didn't even really have lesbian when I was growing up, you know, as a word that was said, right? Um, trans was not transgender, mm -mm. you know, it was usually a pejorative yeah. uh, that triggers a lot of people. Yeah. Um, some of my siblings embrace it, but I don't say it out loud because it's just offensive. Yeah. Um, so I'll do it. But so the biggest thing is the language that's changed, but more importantly, that language is born from this generation understanding A, that there's no stigma, except, and, and you know, the thing about it, and I love it, I was watching, I'm watching how Zoe, like I had to take her to school yesterday because we were, Tema and I were doing some projects and Zoe doesn't even give a darn she, it's not even it's not even like she doesn't give a darn that implies that she has a thought ahead of time she doesn't even know that you wouldn't know what pansexual is or care mm. or support her it's not like you know don't say that out loud because people will get mad at you that's not even part of her she's just declaring it out loud because that's who she is right now right and she also there's a part of that and there's a part of the vibe amongst this generation that says and i could change next week and it won't matter right right uh, you know there's a lot of uh, especially in the trans community there's a lot of my siblings that are gone you know saying you know i think i'm a little bit more non-binary than i originally told everybody i was and is that okay yeah it's like you have to come out again inside of the community it's like yeah no <laughs> we don't care you can right. do you, do you but the cis world is always like give me a box to put you in and what do you mean you know like i've had some friends that said you know oh sure so we went through this whole thing about you being a woman and now you're telling us that you're non-binary would you make up your mind it's like right no, I won't. I will be what I'm going to be. That's right. the point. And maybe I'll change five more times. You're just gonna have to like get used to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. So that's the part I think that's the most significant that I've seen, you know, the change. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I first was, you know, when the time with when I described where I find that coming out with Mars at her feet. <laughs> at 5 a.m. holding two cups of coffee. <laughs> How the heck did I get there? Um, that's where I was the first time that I actually started to try to get information. And back then, if you typed TRA in your keyboard in a search engine, you were immediately catapulted into sex sites. Yep. And most likely it was like forced feminization. Yeah. Apparently there was a lot of people looking that up at the time mm -hmm. and I would, you know, catapulted into that world. I'm going, no, yeah. yeah, you know, cause it was false. It wasn't, I was like, no, I am a woman. I just have this really messed up meat suit right. <laughs> surrounding me. Um, but I'm not that. Yeah. And I'm not inauthentic and I'm not, playing a, a game i'm no no shade on anybody who that's their thing but 
it was not what I was. It wasn't a resource for you. Like it wasn't educational. It wasn't, I mean, cause I mean, it's probably meant as entertainment. So, I mean, it makes sense that you were just like, what do I take from this? Like, this is not me. What I take from it is that what I am is not available. And then finally I started finding, you know, like Lynn Conway had a website really early on that was called the, the transsexual roadmap, Mm. you know, transsexual. It's like, okay, I've heard that word. And is that what I am? Like, you know, the thing about hearing a label like that, when you're trying to discover who you are, is then you start going, is that what I'm supposed to do? And if you ask that question, then the answer is no. (laughs) You know, if it's not driven by your own sense of exploration of who you are, yeah. then doing something that somebody else does, you could try it. Like, well, they're doing it and it seems to be doing okay for them. I guess I'll try it. But that's not how humans work. Yeah. We constantly are like walking through the forest going, ooh, tree, ooh, rock. Yeah. You know, dirt, air, <laughs> world, world. You can but take the girl out of the adventure TV, but you can't take the adventure TV out of the girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like going through the forest still. But yeah. 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 Exactly. I like I like that those resources though, like were available. I mean, it's the stuff that um like as a sex educator, like I could could not be doing the stuff I'm doing now without the people who came before me. And I and I always love um, hearing stuff. I, I recently also was um, reading or I was listening to someone talk about um, the silence equals death, uh, act up AIDS, um, like just how widespread that was in the 80s. And they were saying like, yeah, like a lot of our work wasn't even necessarily um, only tied to to AIDS it was like we were just trying to get resources out there for people like period like it didn't matter if you agreed with it or not if you were like a lesbian who didn't date date trans women you were still like just got the resources out there like and I was like wow that's community and I love that and that huge effort that started um before that time I mean obviously but it really just there was a fire in the belly during that time and that the, the work that went down during that time, especially like I could not be doing any of this stuff. I could not be talking about any of the stuff I'm talking about today without that work. So I'm always so appreciative also of like, you know, in the early 2000s when people were making these little websites that were really simple, but they were just like, here are the FAQ, like, am I normal? Yeah, <laughs> like just very simple. And like, here's what to do if you, you know, and I'm always so thankful for those things that existed because it was not a brave space. Like it wasn't an okay space to be brave in, especially like, I mean, also like nineties, early two thousands. There was also just this huge push of like feminization, like the fetishizing of like just anything feminine. It was seen as like, you have to be this high gloss, skinny big boobs like that's the right way to be a woman right now everything else is like ew (laughs) so so it's just like so interesting to see people being like called like not sexy and like all these things just for like trying to get stuff out there and I don't know it's just I just really appreciate the the pushback against that time I appreciate the work that people were doing I went into a tangent but 
I could talk about that forever. I love like going on um, archival websites and seeing like old school sex ed resources from like 2002. It's like my favorite because <laughs> I love that. But anyway, um, we were talking about, you know, adolescence and I was wondering, um, were there times when you were alone that you did you ever like sneak in and try on your mom's heels? Did you ever look in the mirror and like pretend you had long hair? Like what was something if you remember and if if you did nothing because of that kind of bind that you talk about, um, was there any of those times when you were young that you were experimenting um, with this idea? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I used to, you know, that, that was the only place I could seek refuge mm. would be to dress up. Yeah. Um, and so I, you know, I would wait until my parents, you know, left the house and I'd have an hour and it's like, you know, it's time it all out, get it all together. Right. You know, at the time, um, the soft freshman and sophomore years, I was almost the same size as my mom's. So I could fit in her shoes and it wasn't, mm -hmm. I didn't look silly. I didn't look like I was playing dress up. Um, and I would have like 30 seconds of just ultimate peace where all the fires stopped all the guards would go down i could actually just relax for 30 seconds and then it'd be like i've set a timer they're coming home and then it's got to take it all off you know yeah um, there was a woman who lived next door um that um i babysat her daughters and when her daughters and she was far more modern than my mom <laughs> she had better taste in clothes <laughs> Um, and which I, you know, that should have been a sign right there that I was cognizant of that. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I would, again, set it, set the timer and, and all that. And, but you feel like you're doing something wrong and the, it's the, not the getting dressed isn't wrong. It's that it's not yours. Right. Sneaking into someone else's private space. There's all this shame, but there's no other resource for it. Um, but I stopped. Um, I stopped in my sophomore year of high school because taking it off felt like I was being skinned alive. And it had, it had even more shame because what I was doing was I was the one who was taking it off of me. I was the one that was pushing myself back into the closet. And I was really cognizant of that, that aspect of it. And that's the part that, of the shame that was self-inflicted, that I wasn't standing up for myself. Yeah. And that was probably, as I'm saying this, I never really thought about this, but that was probably the core firewall. That's the core of why the A was, the, was going to be my liberation eventually, but was also the very, the very thing that was the worst absolute core of the shame that I decided to wear myself and go forward in life with. Mm -hmm. And what people don't understand is as much as you come up with a coping mechanism to then go forward, it doesn't take away that initial prod and that prod is there. It's like, it's, it's a, it's a grain of salt or a grain of sand that does not turn into a pearl. Mm. it turns into you know 
rusted iron that decays over time and will yeah. eat at your very psyche. And I don't think people understand that, you know, it's, it's, that's, that's the price that's paid when you force someone into the closet is that they will have to do it themselves. And that's what they, that's what people want when they want to subjugate anybody. Yeah. They want you to start subjugating themselves. That's, you know, it's worked since time immemorial, whenever we've colonized somebody else, you know, yeah. um, when we do it to us individual person, and that's what makes what is going on in the world with the discrimination in the, and, and what's going on in Ukraine right now, yeah. you know, that's a, an overt, completely obvious version of what people want to do to another human and subtly yeah through discrimination through laws through all of this legislation that's going on in america that's just insane is that they want like that can only be their end game like if you try to push all the trans girls out of being able to play sport now they've gone they've upped it there you know texas is trying to make it that parents that support their children are child abusers. Thank God yep. a judge pushed back on that. But what they want is like, what? You want people to, anybody who's transgender to leave Texas? Is that what you want? You want to colonize Texas now? Yeah. Like, who the hell are you? And when people don't make that jump in their heads that that's what's happening, they don't get all the other things that are going to come along with it that are undesirable. And yeah. are going to destroy life in that world. I think it's also, I mean, it's just one of those things where I, my heart also goes out to the little kids that might not even like realize they're trans yet. You know what I mean? Or they're just starting to realize it, but then, you know, they're sitting in the kitchen and their parents are talking about how ridiculous it is to let these kids play sports and all this stuff and they're against it and it plants seeds, you know, or at school. And then the other kids are talking about it. And it's, you probably went through this also where people say things to you because you're one of the guys and they say things about women. They say things, you know, cause they perceive you as one of them. Um, and I, I think that th- those are the things also that can push people over the edge. Cause they're like, how dare you say that about women? I'm right here, you know? And yeah. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. You know, and um, I think the thing I, 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 I'm learning as I'm getting, uh, you know, maturing. <laughs> that, um, you know, I'm also um, prone to cliches and and gendered uh, stereotypes. Um, you know, uh, particularly you know, I, I have sometimes when I'm having some fun, I'll say, um, you know, what, what all those things that we're worried about that happen in the locker room do. Mm-hmm. It's exactly all you we're absolutely right. That's how they are. That's what they do. That's how they think in the locker room. That's, that's what goes on. It's what does I know firsthand, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, you know, uh, the, shit's flashing through my head right now. Yeah. You, know, I played, you know, I made varsity football team as a sophomore. Right. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I played basket. I was late to basketball, then late to baseball because my, the season that I was just in was, was still yeah. going on. Um, so I've been in all three of those all through my life, you know, I was like, Oh my God, it's yeah. just, I was in mortal fear 
when it was time to go from junior high to high school because I knew in high school would be when we would start showering after PE. Mm, and yeah. I was like, oh God, here it comes. Here we go, yeah. Okay, what do I do? I saw what happened to the kid who said, I don't want to shower with everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, the teacher ridiculed them. The school ridiculed them. What's wrong with you, you know? And that's just a boy who, you know, for some whatever reason, just didn't want to shower with all the other boys. For yeah. whatever, it doesn't matter what the reasons are. Right. You know, this, this, you're pushed down this train of like, this is what everybody does. This is the way it's always been done. Nobody reexamines why has it always been done that way. Yeah. You know, so you think it's, it's because people are upset because they didn't realize they have a choice. Because sometimes I think about that and... When I think about like, you know, oh, um, people get mad when they're like, oh, actually, I don't want to do that. And people get angry at that person for being like, wait, I didn't know that was an option. I had to do it. So you have to do it. You know, like sometimes I notice those things and I'm like, where, like, there's no logical explanation for why you'd be so obsessed with what someone is doing with their body. You know what I mean? So I'm like, is it because you didn't realize you had a choice? Like, what is going on? Um, is that something uh, yeah, that you know, I think that's exactly that's 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 one reason why people do that. Yeah. I think that, but I, I never thought about it until you said it. But I'm thinking, sure. Yeah, you know. like that person's allowed to say no and be themselves. Right. And it's like, wait, who am I? Like, I never even question anything. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people have that. Where that's a lot of the time when you were saying like, how how dare you? This is just how it's always been done. I think a lot of people are like, well why is that and then people go no you can't question it this is just how it is yeah if you do if you question this you know? yeah well i think that that you know it, it it does feel like many times just you know the generalization of tr- discrimination against transgender people is i think there is a um there's a fear there's a uh uh yeah, uh, never questioned it before, never took it before, don't know what to do with you because we know who we are. Yeah. Trust me, we have gone through the freaking mill and some people never get tested to know who they are. They just accept who they are. They go on with their life. They never dig down to know why they're doing the things that they're doing or exploring or truly being a human. They live on this surface level. They're like, you know, there's, I could use a bunch of pejorative terms, right. but what I don't, I want to remove the sense of judgment and just allow that there is a, there is people that j- truly don't have or care or have even part of their brain that is, is wired to know who they are. Yeah. And we do, because that's all we have. We've, we've been pushed through this cheese grater of, of experience. And when we come out on the other side, we are superhuman. Yeah. And we, yeah. that intimidates people. And that, and also, that I think is what kind of and like also what when, um, when they're attracted to you, that they can get real mad. They can yep. get real mad at you. Oh, and yeah. um, I think this is across the board um, for trans people and also just anyone who is genderqueer also like might be very androgynous also 
and they go, you tricked me. And it's like, you're just mad at yourself. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and it, I think that's something also that I've been, cause I, I, I used to never teach kids and teenagers. I just didn't really enjoy it. I like teaching adults sex ed. That was like my thing. But then uh, here in Iceland, there was just such a need for it um, to teach teenagers more than just kind of the, they, they got a lot of the biology and then anatomy, but more the nuance of like consent and stuff. And it was something that came up. A teenage boy asked me, he goes, um, I don't want to sound like an asshole. And I was like, here, this is, this is going to be a <laughs> question. <laughs> I was like, this is going to be good. Um, and he goes, well, well, one time, I was talking to this girl and she, we were getting along really well and she was online. She was, she was from the UK and I live he, here in Iceland. And um, then she told me she was trans and I just didn't know what to say. Cause I was like, well, I guess it doesn't really matter. But then I was thinking like, I'm not really attracted to penises, but I'm attracted to her. And I got really confused and I just didn't know what to say. So I blocked her. I was like, well, don't you think that would have hurt her feelings? And he was like, yeah, but like, I just was afraid of saying the wrong thing. And I was like, okay, like that's better than being like angry at her, but she's probably reading it as you're very angry at her. And then he goes, oh, I guess I didn't realize it. And it probably didn't make her feel good. And I was like, <laughs> in my brain, I was like, yeah, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> you know what I mean? But in real life, I was like, just talking him through that process. And I was like, you know, he's, he's like, doesn't know what to do so he like runs away a lot of people don't even do that they run towards you angrily as we see with the statistics about trans women in the u.s and it's i think it's an it's an epidemic it's it, it's something that we don't pay enough attention to and i don't understand but i mean who knows when this like little 15 year old boy without any intervention, maybe when he's like 21, 22, he's gotten a, a couple of his friends being like, you're gross, you're bad, like whatever. Then they turns to violence, like towards the next person. Like, it's like one of those things where I'm like, why are we not intervening? Why are we not talking? Like if this rate were for a lot of other things, let's say just cis, men killed on first dates right i mean it would be unbelievable mm -hmm. it would be everywhere so i don't even really have a question i just wanted to bring it up because i just want to know like what is the intervention what what would you want to see um to protect our our sisters and our brothers you know Okay, well, there. I mean, that is a the loaded one. <laughs> that's a monster one. I don't know. Do, do we have any more um, you know, first of all, I want to echo what you're saying, and I think that the the thing that is still mind blowing to me is the entitlement that somebody has when they say you tricked me. Right. Uh, you know, I've had that. Uh, I'm trying. I'm dipping my toe into online dating, and I've had a couple of people say, how dare you trick me? I'm like, I didn't trick you. You're, you're, you think you're entitled to tell me who I am. Right. And you came to me. I didn't say, hey, big boy, right? <laughs> um, right. nor would I. No. Um, but <clears throat> the, the entitlement that somebody has, it, it's 
it's this i i don't understand it and when i think you know christian people need to hear that this is exactly what sharia law is yeah in, in the muslim extremist world if you if a woman can excite a man it's on the woman not on the man yeah that's what the burqa is for yeah right that's like that is so crazy that that those men and that society supports it and that's where i'm going with this it, when whenever the toxicity of someone being able to to force what they believe should be the way of the world on another person and it's supported by another person that's the person who's really wrong yeah so what would i like to see i'd like to see everybody wake up you know right now yeah. we cannot depend on our politicians our politicians are trying to score points and they know that they can score points with you know the toothless rednecks out there that just want to make sure that a guy's a guy and a girl's a girl and that's what love is all about you know yeah that that and that pandering to that in our country right now has created a toxicity that is just so rampant it's the sheer number of anti-trans legislation it's over like 206 bills currently right now there's only 50 states yeah that's 200 and like like and, why and, are they so obsessed like i just don't understand i'm like get a hobby yeah, like... it scores points. yeah it scores points and that's i mean the, the, i've tried to throw my hands up several times and just go oh my god i'm just gonna you know focus on this over here but it's a giant wave that then we have to start trying to dismantle the machinery that's creating it because it's destroying lives yeah there's it's destroying lives and so you know that's why the christian faith in america has lost its seat at the table yeah. and that's why it's fighting so hard to gain our political legislature because the, nobody believes that, that they've lost their credibility to even talk about loving and being kind because yeah. it's got you loving being kind our way and uh, you know I know that I'm saying something controversial. Well, bring it on, bitches. <laughs> the, the the statistics are there. You've got it. when you can clean clean up that house, then you can come out here and talk again. But right now, yeah. your credibility is out the window. Well, I don't even think it's it. It's just something that's so sad because you you see a lot of people that act in supportive ways. They act in christian ways quote unquote they say um i don't care like who you are i'm going to extend kindness to you and treat you the way i would want to be treated and all that and then there's people that are these like christian i want to say like they're kind of like puppets almost <laughs> like they're just or i don't know it's almost like they don't know who they are so they just like put all these like little labels on themselves you know and they're like no yeah i'm the real christian you're not how like you know you're not christian for standing with somebody who's different than us and i'm like of the two of you the one who's actually following christian teachings is the person who's extending kindness and i just don't understand how they somehow like took i mean this is like over a long time it's like over like you know hundreds of years but we're able to take something that was, you know, just 
just such basic, like extending kindness and being like, yeah, extending kindness, moral policing and making sure you're kind, like worthy of the kindness. It's like, <laughs> what? We took a turn. <laughs> okay. Um, and so that's kind of like where the rest of the world, I mean, is looking at this and being like, it, are Americans okay at all? Like what is going on? Because it just, it kind of is just swinging in such a strange direction that it almost seems like people laugh because they just don't know how to react. Like it doesn't, there's no basis of understanding. It's just, they, it's like, they just pull random things out of a hat and they're like, yeah, we're going to make these people's lives hell this year. Like why? Like there's no reason for it. There's nowhere in the Bible that they're just like, yeah, trans children, not allowed to play sports. You can write that one down. Like no one ever said that. Like, I just don't understand. So that's why it, it's, it's, it blows my mind. And well, I think that's, yeah. you know, that's, that's how you can tell that someone has actually dehumanized somebody. Yep. And that, that's a basic technique, you know, and, and, um, you know, the black community has, is probably the most articulated describing how this technique works. Yeah. If you dehumanize somebody, then you're, then all bets are off. Then you can do whatever you want. And, and the Christian people who are going after children, yeah. just say that out loud again. You're going after children. children. You're, you know, and there's nothing in there. You're not even trying to save them. Like right now you're like, cut them off. They can't go pee. They can't do anything. They're just supposed to, they're just supposed to not exist. And they're okay with going after children. Let's say that again. They're okay with going after children. Yeah. Punitively. They're okay with that. So that's a fundamental of what, you know, I fantasize all the time of like, I know I'm not going to a Christian heaven because I'm a yogi. Yeah. <laughs> you know, hopefully I'll just go to the light uh, and, yeah. you know, at best, I, you know, maybe one more lifetime, who knows, but I hopefully I'll go into the light, but you know, that's part of my journey, but I would pay money to go to the Christian heaven and watch them try to get in. It's like, well, okay. So let's talk about what you were doing to kids down there. Like, well, I was, you said it was okay. It's like St. Peter going, I never said that. <laughs> Where, where did you get that? He's like, I want to see some receipts. Like when I would love to know. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. like, let's see you try to pull this off. Let's see yeah. you tell them that you voted for Donald Trump, a known sex, sexist, racist. Right. Just criminal. We can write like a whole list and like it, it would take so much. I don't think there's enough like hours <laughs> to go through everything he was. You did that. You ignored all of that because you wanted a Supreme court pick. You right. ignored all that. You continued to ignore it. So what was that? If whatever you do to the least of my brothers, yeah, that you do unto me, where does that come into yeah. any of that? Like, sounds you know? like someone's casting some stones. Like, I just, <laughs> uh, it's just very interesting. And I, I am not Christian. I wasn't raised um, Christian either, but I um, was raised around a lot of Christians in like a really tiny pocket of the Northeast that is super conservative. And it's so, well, I mean, the Northeast is not like as liberal as a lot of other places in the world and in America, but, um, and I remember people, uh, it's like this kind of subversive, almost like subliminal 
transphobia and homophobia where it's very like, no, I mean, she's great, but we can't let her sleep over. It's like one of those things. And, and, um, uh, it's okay to have the gay best friend who you love to go shopping with and he's amazing and he's so fun. But if one of your girlfriends comes out of the closet, then it's like, Oh my God, that's so gross. (laughs) And it's just like those things where like that stuff doesn't seem so harmful and so violent so people are like what do you mean it's not that bad in america like okay yeah sure like those things happen but i mean it's not illegal to be gay there or trans there or whatever and then you go yeah but i mean that that those are like the seeds and like one of those people are gonna grow up and get a really great job uh you know in working maybe in public office and then they're going to be, oh, well, my supporters, they would love to see me take some action and make things like how when they grew up and like all this stuff. And it's just, it doesn't come out of nowhere. It doesn't like exist in a vacuum. It's not like these guys like in Texas woke up and they were like, yeah, yeah, let's go after the trans kids today. Like it's not, they it, it happens because these little seeds are planted. And then, like you said, they score points and then they're rewarded it's this endless cycle. And I really dream of an America where we don't reward this behavior anymore. And people can just realize that it's not in their best interest to keep hurting people in their community and children, especially because it does not make us stronger. And it definitely does not make us able to, they always talk about the economy, right? You're not going to help your economy by tearing down and creating divisions and making people not able to even work together and be around each other. Like that's horrible for the economy. So like economically, it's not even smart. So I really dream of a day where um, people can really understand that it's a lot deeper than um, just these like little, oh, well, I mean, I just think it's gross and icky. It's violent and it's disgusting behavior, but Trends Day of Visibility is coming up (laughs) on a lighter note. (laughs) Um, And do you have any, like anyone who's very visible, like in the media, um, any trans people that were just a really good representation for you and maybe even someone who inspired you? Well, that's a very nuanced question because the inspiration that I get, you know, as a, a you know, a, a woman of, of media and um, storyteller and activist and advocate, I get my inspiration in lots of different facets. Hmm. Um, uh, you know, there's the, there's a, it's almost like a class, <laughs> you know, a, a, like the class of, you know, there's a, the Trace Lizette and Jen Richards and um, Angelica Ross mm-hmm. and, um, you know, MJ and the women who have been in a position to have something to say yeah. about the issues that are coming through they're inspiring to me by um sometimes 
what they don't say or sometimes that they said something don't agree with their thought particularly but i do find like you know when we had the whole controversy with scarlett johansson and rub and tug yeah um you know like talk about like i i i never knew scarlett loved her work but didn't know anything about her she made a lot of really bad things obvious yes my dog Bella. Oh, I'm Bella. <laughs> yeah. You know, like the way that she handled herself in that situation was like not even tone deaf. It was like you must have had your fingers in your ears, girl. Um, mm -hmm. you know, couldn't say the right thing ever. And then finally did what you were saying earlier before, ran away. Yeah. <laughs> when uh, when that could have been a really teachable moment. But Trace Lizette said something while it was all going on that I, I repeat often. And that's that, look, you know, the, the, the phrase is kind of gross. It's called opening. Mm -hmm. If an actor can open a movie, that means that their name attached to the movie will be enough that some people will just go to the movie sight unseen. Right. Scarlett Jones will be one of those names, possibly. Um, it would at least be a name that would make distributors around the world go, yeah, we'll get, we'll put money in, we'll, we'll pay the licensing fee to get that movie. And that, that's how, uh, you know, the studio system decides whether a movie will be made. It's about how much money it's going to make bottom yeah. line. Yeah. Don't, 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 you know, it's not about art, right? No, I mean, there's investors to pay off always too. And studio well, the art, is, and the art is assumed. Yeah. Right? We yeah. assume it's going to print, which is also weird, but anyways. Yeah. So the, you know, Trace was saying, yeah, we understand opening, right? Normally an actor's name is what will get a movie funded, but don't be taking trans role, uh, trans opportunities for trans actors to play when, until we get our serious consideration for the cis roles. Right. When it's an even playing field, then yeah, we can go back to that. But right now we're, it's so far below zero that it's not even fair. Yeah. We should have this. So, and also, you know, aside from somebody, sh you know, should be able to play the experience of somebody else's experience as an actor. That's what an actor is supposed to do, but you're not going to get the nuance. And that's what, that's part of it. The other part of it is just sheer representation. Yeah. And if we in the media, and we try to do this all the time because we want what we want when we want it, right? But we can never ignore our responsibility. Our reason for being in the tribe is to make people think, tell them stories that push the human experience forward. If you're pushing it backwards, you didn't do it right. Yeah. And there's no reason to have done it. So we really do need representation is important for so many psychological levels that it's it's that we are supposed to know this as being inside the media we're supposed to know that we get all this so we're supposed to know that because we're here for the same reasons we were an audience person before we stepped into being a storyteller and seeing a trans woman be successful be inspiring be worthy of a story to be told about them mm -hmm. or the worthiness could just be that they were just a human 
That's also worthy. That's what our job as storytellers is to make sure you understand why we're telling the story. But just seeing that, if I had seen that as a little girl, there would be a whole different part to yeah. what my life was. But my representation was it was the man in the dress who was the murder victim because they were a drug dealer in the mm -hmm. stupid TV show that no one can remember. Right. And that's what kept hammering that. Or it was the college buddy or the that is meeting up with the star and surprise. Yeah. You know, it was and a lot of um like also for some reason a lot of vomiting after like yes you know the like and i'm You're not just talking so about like right like crying game ace ventura like just so much of it like that yeah. i'm just like i personally have never like met someone and be like oh i have to vomit now <laughs> you know what i mean like that's just yeah. such a strange and cartoonish depiction of things that's just so unrealistic you know what i mean so and that you're that disgusting right you're right the soul your your existence is so repulsive right that people are going to throw up yeah and it's just like they have to make it like very clear that they would never do that you know what i mean it's it's like okay we get it you know <laughs> like no one asked you if you were into trans women but i guess now we all know you know what i mean it's like well, it's imagine if you're a, a, if you're a 12 year old girl and you're seeing that yeah and also just um it's just so it's so bad also just in terms of depicting that entitlement like you were talking about like they oh like this person didn't um is not like what they are supposed to be and we see it also in terms of like just cis women that are fat and like or disabled and someone like goes to the date and they're like oh but she's fat and they're like, I could never do that. And it's like a teaching like lesson in the, the TV show or like something. It's always, and I'm always like, were there like fat women on set that day? Like, what did they feel? Like, you know what I mean? Like, was there someone in that like studio audience or any, like the gaffer, you know what I mean? I'm like, like, did this just not, like, I was, I'm, I just don't understand. And it's that kind of thing. It's like, you never know also who in that room watching that was trans, who in the audience is trans, like it's because they don't care. Yeah. And like, well, and, and the bottom line of those, those types of stereotypes and the perpetuation of them is that it's bad storytelling. Yeah. It's just so awkward. You didn't too. Low hanging fruit. Yeah. You took the fruit that was in the refrigerator for, you know, way too long right. and you decided to serve that. It's just like, like that's on you. You wasted that much time of your time and the audience's time telling that stupid cliche. Yeah. The yeah. only one that I can think of um, that's like semi positive, and I'm saying semi, is um, at the end of Some Like It Hot, where mm -hmm. they were technically like cross dressing. Um, back then that was just what it was called and it, yeah and like um, but it's that thing where it's like he still is like just wants to get married like he was like I don't care like we I don't I forget what he says like um, we all have our stuff or something you know like we all have you know and 
Um, I remember seeing a post about this like recently where people were like, wait, this movie's from that time. And I'm like, yeah, like there was kind of like a, a swing, like kind of in the eighties, like totally more right wing. Yeah. And I think people are very surprised to see that a lot of media, even from like the thirties, forties, fifties, um, like kind of beginning of fifties, that's when that starts to kind of pick up that like, no, with the man is at home always. And like women don't belong in a factory and like all this stuff um, happens again. And it comes in waves and we're in another wave of it now. And I think people are going to be shocked to see like the, the media that's coming from like now, maybe in like a couple of years when people are like, wait, they could just like say that. And there was no like repercussion, you know, I'm like hoping it doesn't happen again, but I'm just like, why do we keep doing the same stuff? Why does history keep repeating itself in the US with this like, no, the pious family with the, the strong big man and the woman who's doting. And then I'm just like, aren't we over this? Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, and that is something that I've, you know, um, I've been kind of wrestling with is like, now that I am approaching, you know, potentially having a relationship with somebody else, I'm like, okay, am I going to be like, expected what's yeah will i be able to do the 50s housewife thing first of all the fashion i could do that yeah. part i'm in i'm all in of i don't course. mind wearing pearls you know i'll and i don't mind meeting him at the door with a martini yes but bitch better be coming in to you know give me a foot massage right, you know? <laughs> right. um the I don't understand non-equity in a relationship that's what right. i don't understand you know marcy and i were we our relationship was about making each his dreams come true yeah and at and and that it was us it wasn't like us against the world because we didn't have to fight the world but it was like the world was was outside of our bubble that's mm -hmm. what you know that's what a relationship a loving relationship that i'm used to i'm sure there's people you know i have friends that they go on separate vacations and i'm like i don't understand that at all you know but um yeah i don't know how uh i'm not exactly sure how i'm gonna be i'm anxious to see what i will be like in a relationship with somebody else because yeah. i only like you know i was with mars my entire adult life i was 24 when i met her 26 when we got married mm. 25 is when you start to become a human start yeah <laughs> it's funny <laughs> yeah um uh, that so. actually like is, it just reminds me just the way you described it of my relationship. My husband was 26 and I was 24 when we got married <laughs> and it, and a lot of people are like, oh, you guys are crazy for getting married young and all this stuff. And I'm like, no, I mean, we just want to make each other's dreams come true. And we just like want to be there for each other. So I, you know, I, I think I needed to hear that today <laughs> because I have had a lot of people on my back recently being like, you know, talking to me about, it's very different here culturally in Iceland. Like people don't really get married until they're like, maybe they've been together for like 10 years or so they have kids and then they might get married and they might just do it like at the courthouse and stuff. So, uh, just the way you described it, I needed to hear that. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I look forward to reading your book. I'm very excited to do that. 
Um, and where can people find more about you and your story and your work? Well, um, I have our website, which is called zuzubean.com. And that has all the videos that Marcy and I uh, used to, we used to have a, a video blog, a vlog. Yeah. That was part of the joke. We had no idea what to call it. Yeah. Um, where we walked through um, every chapter of Getting Back to Me and Marcy's side of the story. And then that perpetuated her book, which is just because my husband's a woman, dot, 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 Marcy's side of the story. Um, and so that's all available there. Um, it also has um, my blog that's on there that I um, was keeping up until Marcy passed away. Um, it has all of our recent news about us. Um, so that's probably the best way for people to think about. I do have a documentary that's uh, going to be coming out um, in the next couple of weeks that we've been shooting the entire um, pandemic called Proud in a Pandemic. So I've been directing that um, for the past two years. Nice. Two and a half, however long. <laughs> um, and I have a novel that's coming out. It's, in, it's the, in the editing stages right now that's called Same Cake, Different Frosting. Um, so I all that love that title. <laughs> it's a novel. So yeah. it's, I got to explore some things that, um, you know, haven't happened to me yet, or it's based on things that have happened to me and, and Marcy, but, um, but it is also, it is a novel. It's fiction. Um, so I, I, there were some things I wanted to kind of talk about, um, in dramatization. Yeah. Yeah. So all that's available. Best best is Zuzabine.com, my website. Okay. Where that, and I will put that also in the description for this podcast. And you can hear now my neighbor's dog is barking. So, <laughs> so it's that's my cue to go. But um, thank you so, so, so much for coming on Beyond the Bedroom, for sharing your story and just everything you do. Um, I think there's a lot of people that are so interested just in terms of like a more compassionate understanding of the people around them that are going to take a lot out of um, what you said here today. So thank you. Thank you. And um, yeah, and this is on coming out on Trans Day of Visibility. So happy Trans Day of Visibility to you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you yeah. very much. That's Yes. Um, and have fun being visible. And have fun. Just throw yourself a little party with you and Bella. I think that would be. <laughs> I will. <laughs>